what I wanted to talk about today is <clears throat> a little bit more about a subject which has been um, interesting me of late, about breathing, natural breathing. I wanted to look at it in a broader context of Zen practice. So to give a, a title to this talk, it would be about natural awareness, natural breathing, and working with emotions. I think some of the uh, ways that people go about practicing mindfulness these days is in a, in a way which is not very subtle. Mm -hmm. And uh, it comes from a view, I think, that uh, practicing mindfulness is like exercising a mental muscle. In fact, some people who who teach mindfulness use that metaphor. It's like exercising a, a mental muscle so that you um, strengthen that muscle and you can use it more in everyday life. It kind of is a metaphor like going to the gym. Mm -hmm. So if you, you have to go to the gym to keep the, keep the, um, the muscle uh, exercised. Um, it's okay as far as it goes, but it's not really consistent with the true nature of Zen practice. Uh, yes, there is effort that's required or discipline that's required or perseverance that's required to practice, but uh, if you practice Zen long enough, you, you'll understand from your own experience, not just from reading it in a book or reading a theory about it, that awareness or mindfulness is something which is natural. Mm -hmm. So it's much more, much more subtle than having to sort of exercise a mental muscle all the time, otherwise you'll lose it. It's something which is naturally there. The reason why we don't experience it being naturally there is our minds are, in everyday life are so frequently overwhelmed by... Um, brain activity, thinking activity, emotional activity, um, sensory stimulation, that we, we don't recognise the natural awareness that is there. But you quieten all that down. And, um, and natural awareness is what will come through. Um, if we're not caught up in our own um, emotionally driven, thinking driven egocentricity so much, then what emerges is just a natural interest in the life around us. We look out through our eyes and we, we hear through our ears, through our senses, and we just experience the wonder of life, do you know, or the curiosity of life, the interest of life. And it's there, which is, it's there in a very natural kind of way. It's there all the time if the mind quietens down. Um, one of the things that's that we know if you reflect on it through your own direct experience which is, which has been um, validated through um, research is that um, breathing and emotions have a very intimate um, connection with one another and uh, the way that we breathe uh, can quieten the brain can, or quieten the mind uh, can quieten the level of kind of um, neurological firing that actually happens in the mind. And there's some studies they've done 
um, with uh, Zen monks. And they're very interesting. If you reflect on this, reflect on this in terms of your own experience, and you'll probably get it. Um, but with some of the um, research they've done with Zen monks, is that uh, they uh, measured the breathing rate of Rinzai Zen monks per minute when they were meditation. And generally speaking, it was about six breaths a minute. And uh, most people breathe twice as long as that, um, or even three times. Even uh, I've measured it with people who have a lot of anxiety uh, in therapy, and it can be up around 24 you know, for people who have a tendency to have panic attacks and so on. And so with training um, in meditation, meditation can induce quiet, relaxed breathing. And... Uh, not only is it the rate of breathing which is important, but it's also the pattern of the breathing. And again, through research they've done, is that most people, um, the, the, the amount of time it takes for them to breathe in and to breathe out, the breathing in or the, the inspiration is about 40, 43% of the whole breathing cycle. And so it makes it, what, 57 for the out-breath. It's almost almost 50-50. When they do research with um, Rinzai Zen monks, um, the breathing in is 25% and the breathing out is 75%. And it's this sort of natural um, emphasis on the outgoing breath which also quietens the mind. So it's the slowing down of the rate and the sort of the, the slower expiration also quietens down the mind. They um, also did some research on some Soto monks, and the Soto Zen monks didn't have the same um, degree of quietness in their in their their breathing as did the um, the Rinzai monks, and uh, it, it, it indicates apparently a, a difference in the training, because the Rinzai monks are specifically taught to breathe in a very quiet, soft kind of way. And the instruction they're given is that they're, they're taught to breathe softly so that you are not ruffling a single hair in a tuft of rabbit fur attached to your nose. <laughs> rather a uh, bit of performance anxiety doing that, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. But through that training... Um, they're they're actually, I suppose, being trained in and practising the art of breathing through meditation and quietening it down. The other aspect of breathing is the pausing between breaths and what they've noticed in Rinzai Zen monks is that not only does their breathing slow down naturally, they're not forcing it to slow down, it just naturally slows down, the emphasis on the out-breath, but there is more of a pause between breaths. And again, the research bears this out, but again, focus on your own experience. When there's a pause between breaths, the only thing you really experience when you really pause between breaths is an experience of tenderness. Mm-hmm. And when you're tense and you don't allow yourself 
to pause between breaths. It creates a feeling of anxiety or fear. And so it's a chicken and egg thing. It's a kind of vicious circle we get into with the relationship between breathing and, and our emotions is that if we breathe in a, um, <laughs> a laboured kind of way without any kind of pausing, where we create more fear and anxiety which gives rise to a whole lot of other different emotional experiences and all the thinking that create, that's created out of it. And a fear is perhaps arguably the emotion that drives a lot of our um, egocentric kind of behaviour. And, uh, and alternatively, if we're in, we've become fearful through some outside trigger or emotional through some outside trigger, our, our breathing goes into this rapid laboured kind of um, um, form as well. Right? So they're kind of interrelated. So it is a very important part of practice to uh, unlearn how we do breathe um, and so that we come back to natural breathing. And if we come back to natural breathing, it's intimately connected with natural awareness. The two go hand in hand. If you, if you reflect on the times where you've had your quietest, calmest meditation, the most peaceful meditation, you would perhaps be aware that your breathing was in that kind of rhythm that I was describing. And you don't have to try so hard to be aware. It's just a part of the natural kind of um, essence that you come back to when the mind is quietened down. So cultivating a quiet mind has always been um, central to and, and at the essence of Zen training or Buddhist training generally. Now, there is a problem that can be connected with it um, in that we can become um, so attached to quietness of mind um, that, well, it becomes another kind of attachment, becomes something to cling on to. And if you read a lot of the literature on Zen, you find the old Zen teachers emphasising the importance of not being attached to quiet mind. Mm -hmm. It's certainly an aspect that we aspire to, but you cling to it and then you create a, a tension in yourself because it's like it's a little haven, a little bubble that you're trying to protect from the experience of the outside world. And so it becomes another kind of more subtle kind of egocentric position to hold on to. Mm -hmm. find all through Zen literature that sort of Zen teachers can have harsh words to sort of shake people out of this little bubble of quietness that they try and get into a samadhi state. But it is, at its basis, very, very essential and very important in Zen practice. Um, Maybe this is a phase we've gone through in Zen practice or not, or we can see it in ourselves or sometimes we can see it in people around us where they attach themselves to the quietness of mind and yet in their, in their everyday dealings is kind of like something bland there or something conflict avoidant, you know, and, a, and an unwillingness to actually engage in the give and take of human relationships and to deal with emotions as they arise. And so 
the challenge becomes how do we cultivate a quiet mind without using that quiet mind as a sort of tool to suppress emotions or develop a kind of a fear of emotions or a, a, a fear of them interfering in the quietness of our, our experience. It's a bit like if you, if you think of it in terms of um, sitting in a quiet place and, uh, and you enjoy the quietness and then you become irritated by the sound of traffic going past like a big truck roaring past and it becomes an irritation and you think, God, I wish we didn't sit here you know, couldn't we sit in a, a natural place where we didn't hear trucks going past but the trucks going past is just part of the uncontrollable kind of energy of life that's going on around us and if we kind of shut it out then we, we really um, using meditation as an escape from life rather than being with the unpredictability of it in its wider sense. So quiet mind and cultivating a quiet mind through quiet breathing is definitely an essential part of Zen practice, providing it's not used as a way to block ourselves off. And the experience we all have um, in everyday life as well as in meditation, is that we have emotional experiences which arise. You know, we can we can name them specifically. Specifically the negative ones, fear, anger, sadness, shame, disgust. And we can develop uh, maybe through cultural conditioning or family conditioning um, what one psychologist has now referred to as negative emotion phobia. Good term. Mm-hmm. Sort of irrational fear of negative emotions. And when we have that irrational kind of fear of negative emotions, it's the kind of fear that if we actually allow them to be there or focus on them, they're going to get worse and worse, you know, and go out of control. Um, but when we use meditation wisely, um, what we develop is this capacity to face into emotions when they arise. So we might generally have a quietness in our mind and in our experience, and then when an emotion arises, it's kind of like the truck going by. You know, if we we just get irritated by it and try and push it away, then we're not really dealing with all of our experience. So we can, whenever an emotion arises, it's kind of just accepted and welcomed in, like our little poem about the guest house. It's just welcomed in. It's just another thing that's happening. And our ability then becomes to use meditation not to see it as an enemy to quiet mind, but to embrace it within our, within our awareness without any resistance to it in terms of going with it. There's a lot of different metaphors um, which have been used in terms of how to use emotions in practice. Um, Chognam Trumpa talked about um, um, that some, some farmers will get rid of all of their rubbish and so on and, um, and then buy manure from other farmers so they can grow their crops again. 
yeah, but, a, but a good farmer will collect all the rubbish and, and then, you know, it becomes compost, you know, for next year's crops. And they do, they follow this through actually in, in Zen temples in Japan, in um, uh, Kabori Roshi's temple where I trained at first in, in Kyoto. And this is traditional in, in, um, in Zen temples. They, they grow their own vegetables and they use human excrement as the manure to grow their vegetables. So it just keeps getting recycled all the way through. And this is a kind of a metaphor. It's an actual um, farming practice, but actual metaphor of how to work with emotions in practice as well. Um, is that we, we, we kind of just use them, if, if we pay attention to them without resistance and without fear or phobia and without reacting against them, then we kind of mulch them back into our own experience again. It enriches Zen practice rather than being a threat to it. Um, this is the practice of um, transforming emotional energy. Um, Hubert Benoit um, referred to it as um, the transformation of coal into diamonds. Mm -hmm. So it's the inclusion of them rather than the ignoring of them or pushing them away which is essential to Zen practice as well. Uh, this is what's referred to in traditional Buddhism as the lion's roar. The lion's roar is a kind of fearlessness that we develop to be able to stay with any state of mind as it arises. Not just the nice ones, not just the quiet ones, but any state of mind that arises. That's, that's the challenge for each of us as a Zen student in our formal meditation practice and in our everyday lives is to develop that fearlessness just to be with even the most bizarre or um, emotional states of mind that they come up. Not to judge them, but to face them. And the more we face into them, rather than trying to use quiet mind as a way of pushing away the way then, then we really do start to move forward in practice my teacher um, Joko recognised this a long time ago um, in the kind of same practice we went through initially there's so much focus on concentration uh, to try and push emotions aside. Um, and then she recognised what was going, what was happening, and, and found a way of using Zen practice to include emotions. So both are important, but don't let's lose sight of both. Let's not lose sight of the, of the importance of quiet, natural breathing and quiet, natural attention which is emotion free and let's not forget the importance that, um, of emotional realities and the, and the part that emotion plays in our life and not push it away <coughs>